This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, I want to reflect with you today on one of the most beautiful feasts of the church year, the Feast of the Epiphany, the Feast of Manifestation, when Christ is made manifest to the nations, the journey of the Magi, standing with thee for all of us who come seeking Christ. What we can see in this great story is what I've often said we can see in all the Bible stories. Each one, in its own way, tells the whole story. Each one is a kind of microcosm of the whole spiritual life. Here we see it very clearly. In the steps of the Magi's journey, we see the steps of our spiritual journey. How does Matthew's account begin? Well, he speaks of these mysterious figures, he calls them magoi in the Greek. Who were they? Well, there's all kinds of different translations, different theories about who they were. Magicians, astrologers, astronomers, wise men, of course, as we say. There was, we know, a pretty well-developed culture in Babylon, in that region, that involved people gazing up into the night sky, charting and measuring the stars, doing some of what we would call astronomy, the serious science of stargazing, but also engaging in probably what we would call superstitious practice, trying to find the signs. The main thing is these people, in a very serious way, looked for indications of God's presence and God's will. They looked attentively, night after night, first spiritual lesson on the journey. Be attentive. Why for so many of us does the spiritual life never even get off the ground? Because we are so caught up in our jobs, our family, our day-to-day -day worries and anxieties, that we never look, we never study, we don't take the time to survey our experience looking for the signs of God's presence and God's will. We don't even open our eyes spiritually. And now we can be very attentive in other ways, but not spiritually attentive. That's the first great lesson that I think from these magoi, these magi, is they take the time to look for God. We must be attentive. Next, they moved. They saw the sign, the star. They read it, they interpreted it, they said this star is important. The newborn king has arrived and we must go and find him. We take travel for granted, even really long distance travel. You can hop on a plane, you can fly halfway across the world, spend a couple of days, come back home. The only real inconvenience might be a few hours in the airport, being uncomfortable on the plane. But in a matter of days, we can come and go. 
Now, go back to the ancient world. Even a journey of 100 miles in the ancient world would have been a major and dangerous undertaking. Traveling on foot, if you're very lucky, very wealthy, you're on camelback, let's say, but you're traveling mostly on foot, covering, oh, maybe 20 miles a day if you're lucky, over very bad roads, exposed to the vagaries of the weather. It might decide to pour rain. It might snow. It might be a sandstorm. You have to sleep outdoors. You're exposed to all these elements. And you're in constant danger of brigands, robbers, kidnappers, wild animals. One reason ancient people carried the staff with them, it was to stave off wild animals. Bad roads, bad food, danger at every turn, taking weeks, perhaps months, to make the journey and the return journey. My point here is this, in the language of T.S. Eliot, a hard coming they had of it. This journey was a very difficult journey that the Magi took. But they were willing to do it because they had seen the star and they wanted to find the king. Second spiritual lesson. When you've seen a sign of God, you've seen a sign of Christ, now move. Act. Even when it's difficult, yes, almost assuming it will be difficult, but have the courage to move and to act. Some of us are pretty good at discerning the signs. We're attentive, we see, but then we sit in our complacency and we don't move. These people moved. Thirdly, they make their way and they come to Jerusalem, as you'd expect, the great capital city, and they seek the advice of King Herod. They assume that Herod's a man of goodwill. And they ask him, what do you know about this star and about this king? Herod seems very gracious. He says, well, listen, you go and find this newborn king, and when you learn of him, bring back the news to me so I may go and worship too. Sounds very pleasant. Of course, we know that Herod's intentions are murderous. In fact, Herod wants to destroy the newborn king. He's using the Magi simply as his own spies, so to speak. What's a third spiritual lesson? Christians expect opposition on the way. Opening very soon is Tolkien's movie, The Lord of the Rings. I'm listening right now to The Lord of the Rings on my car uh, stereo. I have these uh, cassettes of The Lord of the Rings. And in that great story, we see something very clear. That whenever good people enter into the spiritual journey, they will be opposed. And in fact, the more clearly and confidently you walk that path, the more surely you will expect opposition. When we are all languishing in the realm of darkness, we're not going to be opposed. But when we seek the light and we walk the path of God, we should expect obstacles, battles, opposition. Notice too, please, how Herod does this. It's very subtle. It's not a direct opposition. It's very subtle. Oh, I'm on your side. I'm with you. Just go and find out. Bring the news back to me so I may go and worship. In fact, they're being manipulated. How often Christians in the spiritual journey 
we are sometimes used, manipulated, blocked indirectly for nefarious purposes. Expect it. Keep an eye open for it. Remember Jesus says, be innocent as doves and clever as serpents. That's wonderful advice in the spiritual journey. If we're nothing but innocent, we're not cagey enough to see people like Herod, how we're being manipulated, blocked, and used, we will be unsuccessful. Innocent as doves, yes, but clever as serpents too, that we might see these ruses and tricks and obstacles. So expect it. Expect it. Upon leaving the king, they follow the star until it comes to rest over the stable. There they see Mary, the child. Undoubtedly for them in a pretty surprising setting, this little stable in an out-of-the-way place. But what do they do? Despite their surprise, they prostrate themselves. And they open up these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. One way to read them, of course, is they're all indications of who Christ is. Why gold? Because he's a king. I know he doesn't look like a king. I spoke last week of Caesar Augustus, who looks like a king, and here's his little child. But he's the king, and they can see it, and so they give him gold. Frankincense, why? Because he's God, because he's divine, and incense is used in the worship of God. Myrrh, myrrh because he has come to die, and myrrh is used in the anointing of the dead. Wonderful detail. The three gifts tell us who Christ is. He is God who has come to be the king of the world, and his kingship will be revealed precisely in the measure that he's willing to go into death for our sake. Wonderful. It's wonderful. The three gifts speak of the identity of the one they have come to worship. But I want to emphasize another element of the gifts. What the wise men bring are the finest things they can find. Gifts worthy of a king. The best, finest. What do they do? They break open these coffers and they give to this king their best. Listen, here's the fourth spiritual lesson. When you've discerned the signs, you've acted, you've followed them, you've met opposition and overcome it, and now you've arrived at Christ. You've met him. What should you do? Christians, you give him the best you've got. You break open the coffers of your heart and your mind and your body, everything in you, and you give him your best. What's a great danger in the spiritual life? Well, we come to Christ. Sure, he's important to me. Sure, I accept him. And what do I give him? A little bit, a little bit of time, a little bit of my mind, a little bit of my energy. Let's be honest, fellow sinners. Let's be honest. Where do we spend most of our energy, most of our mind, most of our will, most of our time? Serving ourselves, serving our own needs. Do we give the best of ourselves to Christ Jesus? You know, if some young people are listening to me, and you're thinking about, your life and its purpose and where you're going. The real question is, to whom do you give your best? You can give it to your own ego. You can use it to serve your own ego. 
Or you can give it to Christ Jesus and make him the center of your life. That's what the wise men do. And that's the fourth spiritual lesson. Break open your heart and give him all your mind and heart, your best. Having come to Christ, having worshipped him, having broken open their coffers, given their gifts, they are warned in a dream not to return to Herod. So they go back to their home country by a different route. This is a wonderful detail as the story comes to a close. And here I'm borrowing from Fulton J. Sheen. Sheen said many years ago, of course they go back by a different route. You never come to Christ and go back the same way you came. You never come to Christ and open up your heart and give him your whole life and expect that you will remain unchanged. Anyone who makes Jesus the center of his life is a different person afterward. And the way you were walking before, you'll walk differently. The way you were thinking before, you will think differently. The way you were choosing before, you'll choose differently. No one comes to Christ and goes back the same way he came. Expect opposition, yes, on the way. And then, at the end of the journey, expect that you will change. Come follow me, the Lord says over and over again. Here we see it anticipated. That means walk in a different way. Walk in a surprising way. So, the journey of the Magi. Christians, it's our journey. Five steps I've pointed out. First, be attentive. Look at your life deeply. Secondly, when you see the sign of Christ, go for it. Don't dawdle. Don't delay. Don't be complacent. Go for it, even if it's difficult, even when you face difficulty. Thirdly, expect opposition on the way. Don't be afraid of it. Meet it as clever as a serpent. Fourthly, when you come to Christ, give him your best, not mediocre, not a little bit, but your best. Finally, expect that you will be different after you've come into contact with him. Enjoy the Christmas season, and God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of The Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.